and excitement. Uh, uh, Pastor let the cat out of the bag this morning and said I'd be speaking tonight and Monday and, and you all came back anyway. So that's a blessing and I appreciate that. And that's an encouragement and uh, really do appreciate that. Well, I appreciate these children as well. I, I'm reminded of a, uh, a great uh, doctor of theology, was a professor for many, many years. He studied the biblical languages and had mastered Hebrew and Greek and Sanskrit and Aramaic and all these uh, languages to help him in his deep theological studies and taught in the seminaries for years and years. And he came to his retirement and somebody asked him of all the great deep biblical truths that he had learned through the years, what was the most profound thing he had learned in the scriptures? And the man began to tear up with the tender heart and he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It doesn't get any deeper and richer than that right there. And what a great promise. And so what a privilege to uh, have that theme this week. Uh, Jesus did in fact die for all the children of the world. And he has a program and he wants us to get involved and invites us to that. And I hope we will as we uh, consider uh, the Lord's will and direction in our lives. I'd like to ask you to turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 10. And I have uh, kind of a unique, I, I've been wrestling with God about uh, this, uh, bringing this this evening, especially with some questions and answers afterwards. Uh, this is something that I put together for some preachers, a preacher's conference out in Colorado recently. And uh, I had about an hour and a half and I'm going to try and just kind of trim it down this evening to fit into our service time this evening. But uh, I, I hope it will be a challenge and encouragement. Um, we're going to kind of skim through the book of Philippians this evening in light of uh, what we'll look at here and start in Romans chapter 10. And I trust the Lord's going to give us grace to do this. And I hope it'll be, even though it's more like a lesson uh, this evening uh, than... Uh, Hard preaching with, you know, a few points and a poem and that kind of thing, but uh, more of a lecture this evening, and I hope it will uh, really help us as we partner with the 25 missionaries that your church is partnering with. Uh, if you're there, let's stand together, if you would, please. Uh, in Romans chapter 10, I'm going to read verses 12 to 15 as kind of an introduction, and then, as I said, we're eventually going to make our way over to Philippians for the rest of the service. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 12, Paul writes to the church in Rome and he says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Father, we thank you so much for Crossroads Baptist Church, a church that is actively involved around the corner and around the world through their missionaries. I pray, God, that as we look at some of these principles from the book of Philippians, how we can be better partners with our missionaries, I pray that the church would be strengthened and encouraged in their ministry around the world. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Romans is an interesting book. Um, 
At lunch, Brother Schrock was asking me some of the approaches that I had uh, when I was on deputation and some of the uh, views and philosophies and how I approach things uh, when calling pastors and so forth. And Romans is a good study in that. You say, really? Yeah, well, Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to our missionary Paul, right, to a church that he had never been to, kind of like on deputation, a lot of missionaries are calling churches they've never been to, and they're telling them about where God has called them to go, and they're basically uh, praying and asking the Lord to give them the partners that he would give them to get to that mission field. I I want you to notice here in Romans, look over at Romans chapter 15, Uh, Paul is writing to this church as a potential supporting church. Um, I I told Brother Schrock this afternoon, I said, uh, when I would send a packet to a church, I would usually include in that packet a gospel tract that I had written so they would know what kind of gospel I'm going to be preaching. I would send them testimonies. I would send them references. And uh, that's kind of what this book of Romans is. That's why it's so rich in doctrine. You know, a missionary will send a doctrinal statement. This is Paul's doctrinal statement right here. And it is deep and it is rich and it includes testimonies and it includes the gospel that he is going to preach as he goes out. And then I want you to notice something in Romans chapter 15. Look at verse 24. He tells them where God is calling him to go next. Romans 15 and verse 24. Paul writes, Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, For I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you. If first I be somewhat filled with your company. Look down a few verses later in verse 28. He says it again. When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. Paul Paul is basically writing to this church and he's saying, look, God's called me to take the gospel to Spain. Here's my doctrinal statement. Here's the gospel that I preach. This is it right here. This is what God has already done. God is calling and sending me to Spain and I'm trusting that you all will help me and support me and partner with me on this way to Spain. What a thought. What a thought. Now this, this word, this idea of Bringing him on his way is is just one word in the Greek, but it's one word that's mentioned several times in the scriptures, and every single time it's in reference to missionaries. Partnering is the best word to try and summarize that concept in one word. It's the idea of partnering. How shall the gospel go to those around the world? I'm pointing at the globe back there with all those countries in the world. How is the gospel going to go to all those countries unless the preachers are sent? And those preachers need those who are going to partner with them and bring them on their way. Sometimes we have the idea that uh, we are here and we send money to the missionaries so the missionaries can do their work over there. But as we see in the scriptures here, Paul did not view it that way. Paul was not saying, what can you do for me? Paul was saying, what can your church do through their missionaries? It's not the missionaries work over there. This is Crossroads Baptist Church through all of those missionaries back there on the wall. 25 missionaries. This is your work. This is your partnership. It's God's work, but it's your partnership 
with God and what he's doing around the world. And so I'd like us to turn, if you would, now to the, the prayer letter of the Apostle Paul to his church in Philippi. All right, can we do that? Go to Philippians. And in Philippians, he's, just as Brother Capel just pointed out, this is Paul writing to one of his supporting churches. And so that's why I call it a prayer letter. All right, it's an update of what's going on. Uh, you know, Paul's over there in chains, and he's writing to this church over there in Macedonia, going through great trials and persecution and difficulties, and he writes them a letter about rejoicing and joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Can you imagine that? Well, that's what's going on here. And so in Philippians, I would just like to point out a few things. We're going to fly through this thing tonight. We're going to point out a few principles about how you can be a biblical or a better partner with your missionary, your 25 missionaries around the world. How can you, according to the scriptures, according to Paul, writing to his supporting church and thanking them for the things that he's thankful for, how can we do that as a church with our missionaries? The first one I want you to notice right here in Philippians chapter 1 and verses 3 through 5, we can partner with our missionaries with moral support. Partner with them or support them with moral support. Look at these verses. Verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always and every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with what? With joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, I just kind of imagine Paul as those words are being penned with a smile on his face thinking of those days when he got that Macedonian call and he went over there to a land he'd never been to before and he went into Philippi and started that first church. And from the first day, from the first day when he left Philippi and he went to Thessalonica, the church in Philippi supported him and partnered with him. And when he thought of that church and when he prayed for them, he smiled. He had joy. You know, when these missionaries back here on the wall think of Crossroads Baptist Church, do they think of this church and pray for this church with joy? Do you know your missionaries? Do you know what's going on in their lives? Are you a regular moral encouragement in, in just encouraging their morale in what's going on on the field? Um, you know, missionaries are made out of the same stuff as everybody else. I know there's this idea out there and, and uh, we think, well, you know, missionaries, they, they must be super Christians, or they're up, no, 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 we're made out of the same stuff. Uh, I remember my son and I were on a furlough, we went to a men's prayer breakfast, and at the men's prayer breakfast, there was a man who, he, he's kind of retired now, he still works at a, at a rescue mission, but uh, he, he was a pastor for years and years and years and years. And uh, he, he prayed the dedicatory prayer at our wedding, my wife and I, and we love him dearly. Just a man of God. And at this men's prayer breakfast, he was sharing his testimony and said, you know, uh, I've been a pastor for years and I've ministered to people and I've ministered to people in chronic pain and I tried to be a blessing to them and encouragement, but he said, recently, I had some heart problems and I was in the hospital in chronic pain. Day after day after day, I was in pain. And then he started breaking down. He broke down into tears. And he said, you know what, men? It was bad. I was discouraged. 
I, I even got to the point of depression. I was even considering suicide. I'm looking at this man. I mean, this guy is a saint, a living saint. I'm one of my heroes. And I'm thinking, how could he get to that place? How could we not know that he was in that place? It really touched my heart. It burdened me. I, I remember when, when before we even went to the field, we had a little, uh, the Chattanooga Missionary Society, we called it there in our church in Chattanooga, and we would have act, uh, emphases, and we would have prayer times, and, and the men in our church got together for one of these prayer times, and we were discussing our missionaries, our missionaries on the field, and, and recently one of our missionaries, this was years ago, but he had lost his wife, and he stayed on the mission field, and we were so grateful for his faithfulness, and perseverance, even, even all he had gone through and he, and he lost his wife and he was still there serving the Lord on the field and so we wanted to pray for him and in the previous furlough he had, he had gotten to know one of the guys in our church, one of the men in our church had just gotten saved, he was a new believer, uh, he had some, uh, some history and connection with this missionary, uh, military background and some different things that they kind of connected in and, and so they stayed in touch. And so this new, new believer, he had stayed in touch with this missionary. And, and again, I'm telling you, sad to say for us, here, here I'm supposed to be the, you know, the chairman of the missions group and so forth. And, and here we are praying for the missionaries. And so we said, let's, let's pray for this dear brother. He, he must really be going through it down there on his mission field and so forth. And then, and then this new believer, he'd only been saved a number of months, he speaks up and he said, we, we do need to pray for him. He's going through a tough time. You know, we've been, we've been staying in contact, and he's been, he's been opening up with, with me some of the struggles I have with, with some of the experiences I had in Vietnam and so forth, and he's been, he's been sharing with me some of the struggles he's had. And, you know, each evening he gets so discouraged, he just he starts drinking alcohol, and he just kind of drinks himself to sleep every night. And we're like, wait, wait, wait what? Brother so-and-so? I mean, the, one of our heroes? I mean, he's... he's He's got four generations now serving the Lord on the mission field, and he's drinking himself drunk every night to go, what? We had no idea. We had no idea how these men, again, made out of the same stuff we are, need moral encouragement and support. And every single one of us in this room, we know we need encouragement, but guess what? Those missionaries back there on the wall, they need encouragement too. And they need moral support, and they need that encouragement from time to time. And if you don't know what the missionaries are going through, it would be a good idea to get to know them and reach out to them so you can be a joy and rejoicing and encouragement to each of them. That would be a blessing. Secondly, look at Paul as he writes here down in verse 19. Secondly, partner with your missionaries with prayer support. Verse 19, Paul writes, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to get into all, all the ins and outs of what the salvation is that he's referring to there. I want to emphasize this, all right? Paul writes to this church and he says, I know that God is going to answer your prayer because you are praying in the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to emphasize. He had absolute confidence that this church was praying for him, and he knew, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here, he knew and penned the fact that he knew God was going to answer their prayer because they were praying in the Spirit of Christ Jesus. What, what does that mean, to pray in the Spirit of Christ Jesus? Well, somebody recently 
uh, made this statement and it really helped me. You know, sometimes we pray general prayers for the missionaries or maybe we even get in a rut. I've got a list of our missionaries in my Bible and I pray for the missionaries and it's easy to get in a rut or it's easy to get in a rush and say, Lord bless all the missionaries, right? Protect them, do this, you know, all these general things. But I was challenged recently to pray specifically, to review the prayer letter, looking for those specific requests, and pray for specific requests so that when the prayer is answered, we can actually mark down an answer to prayer. If your prayer list says, bless all the missionaries, you're never going to be able to have an answer to prayer to that. But you know, if you're praying for that child on the field who's going through a tough time, or you're praying for that wife who's going through a physical trial, or you're praying for a specific financial need that they've mentioned in a prayer letter, you know what? When God answers that prayer through the Spirit of Christ Jesus, you're going to be able to mark it down and say, hey, God, thank you for answering that prayer. What, what a difference in the way to pray. Ephesians 6, 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That would include the missionaries, right? Verse 19, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Prayer is so important. I, I know I'm trying to fly through here with a bunch of points, but can I just park on prayer here for a little bit? How important prayer is for our missionaries. Jesus' solution to the missionary problem is summarized in one word. Pray. The harvest truly is plenteous. The laborers are few. What are we supposed to do? Pray. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Hudson Taylor, one of my favorite missionaries to, to read of his writings, he said this, When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. You know, these, these missionaries are not joking when they come in here. And I heard every single one of them here this morning say, pray for us. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God is going to provide. But you know what? Please pray for us. Way too often, prayer is considered something that Christians do to help support the real work of the ministry. No, no, no. I've, I've even heard people say, we go into churches, you know what? I can't go... And I can't give, so I'll just pray. No, 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 that's not how it works. That's where we start. That, that's where missions is really uh, worked and begun is in prayer. Prayer is not the least work, and prayer should not be the last work. Jesus said in John 14, 12, And greater works than these shall ye do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. You catch the parallel there? You're going to do greater works... And that begins with prayer. What if prayer is the greatest work? Isn't that what Jesus is saying there? As you pray and you talk to the omnipotent creator God of the universe and he begins to work because you've said, God, I'm done working. I want you to work. I'm going to pray 
and ask you to work. Now God can do greater works. Every great missionary movement was born out of prayer. Do you want to see great missions movement in our day today? Then pray. Do you recognize that the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few? Then pray. Do you desire to see your missionary partners furthering the gospel around the world through this local church? Then pray for God's power in their lives and ministries. And do you want to personally be more active in missions this year? Then pray. Pray. The greatest work in missions today is prayer. And the most lacking work in missions today is prayer. I believe the power of Crossroads Baptist Church and your missions, emphasis, and impact around the world is directly related to the prayers of the people listening to my voice right now. And if that is true, then much prayer equals much power for these missionaries back here on the wall. And little prayer equals little power. And no prayer equals no power. Let's pray. Paul said to the missionaries, I know that you're praying for me, and I know God is going to answer your prayers. Let's go on to number three quickly. We need to partner with our missionaries with communication support. Look at chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and in verse 19, we see the importance of communication. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. They didn't have uh, uh, electronic mail back during this day, but apparently they had T-mail and E-mail, all right? That was Timothy and Epaphroditus, okay? These two guys were going back and forth, and they were the communication. Timothy was going, even as a partner of the team, Timothy was going to what we might describe as a furlough to go and update the church in Philippi about what was happening. And you know what the church in Philippi did? They sent Epaphroditus to do the same thing to him. There was constant and regular and meaningful communication. You know, it is a blessing when missionaries take time and pour hours into preparing and sending a prayer letter just to get a one or two sentence reply saying, you know what, I'm praying for that need, I'm praying for that need, keep up the good work, God bless you. There's somebody at Crossroads Baptist Church praying for you. I can't even tell you how much that encourages a missionary on the field. Just a reply to a prayer letter. That communication. You know, uh, we, we started out years ago, you know, we were so old, all we had was the paper and the stamps and the envelopes that would go out, and then the email started coming out. We got all excited, and we had Juno email back then, and you could, you could send up to like 20 emails in one time. It was incredible. And then we, we upgraded to Yahoo, or you could send 40 at one time without getting into people's uh, spam boxes. And then MailChimp came out, all right? MailChimp is that service that you can, you can push one button and send it out to 1,000 people, all right? So we, we got our prayer letter list up to almost 1,000 people. And that first time, I was so nervous. And I clicked that send button, and it went out to all those people. And you know what I learned? The first time uh, doing out the MailChimps, I learned that more than half the people don't even open our prayer letters. I was shocked. 
like, what in the world? I, I thought all these people were praying for us. It, it blew my mind. A simple reply to a missionary's prayer letter will mean more to them than you can possibly imagine. That knowing that somebody is communicating with them is a tremendous blessing. Communicate with your missionaries. I'm not saying, listen carefully, I'm not saying send them a five-page survey every year, all right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying communicate with your missionary. Just let them know what's going on here. They let you know what's going on there. Just let them know what's going on here and that you're praying for them. And what a blessing that can be to the missionaries. Paul was truly, truly blessed by this communication that was going back and forth. Uh, we, there's uh, apparently some connections here. We were talking before the service. Uh, uh, Brother Gerald Whiteley is a member of our church there in Chattanooga, and uh, he's a deacon in the church. And he, he, as a deacon in the church and as a friend, he would come over and visit us there in Cameroon every term. He was over there five times in Cameroon. Now, not only just to get involved in the ministry, but just to communicate what's going on in our sending church. He could take pictures. He would take pictures in the ministry, and then he, when he would go back and lead the music at our church there in Chattanooga, he'd put some of those pictures up in between songs or at the beginning, and what was he doing? He was communicating what was going on in Cameroon. What a blessing. What a blessing. Communicate with your missionaries. Fly in right along. Number four. Number four, partner with your missionaries in logistical support. I've already alluded to this guy. He's one of my favorite guys in, in the Bible, all right? Uh, Ephesians, or excuse me, uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 25. Here he is, first time we see him. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. This guy, Epaphroditus, was from the church in Philippi. He came out to be a blessing to the missionary team and Paul didn't really want to send him back, but he says here, I felt it necessary to send Epaphroditus back. But I want you to know something. This is what Epaphroditus has been doing. And look at this list. Verse 25 again. I suppose it necessary to send Epaphroditus, my brother, my brother, and companion in labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. You notice it doesn't say anything in there about Epaphroditus being a great preacher or a great evangelist or some public, no, a fellow soldier, someone who ministered to my wants. Epaphroditus was a guy that came and anytime he saw a need, anytime he saw something going on that needed to be taken care of, maybe behind the, behind the scenes, I call him Mr. Logistics, all right? Epaphroditus, Mr. Logistics. Just taking care of those things that maybe nobody else noticed so that Paul and the other, maybe the more visible, those guys preaching publicly could keep on doing what they were supposed to be doing. You know what? I thank God for the Epaphroditus's who helped us through the years take care of all those logistical things, those nitty-gritty, necessary things that people were taking care of so that I could keep doing preaching, discipling, planting churches that God wanted us to do. I thank God for the Epaphroditus. There are probably Epaphroditus sitting in this service today. There are, there are needs that missionaries have come around every year. Who's going to take care of doing our taxes? Now my, my dad was an enrolled agent with the IRS. He helped people every year with their taxes. And, 
And, uh, and, and, and so I never even had to worry about that. And dad was taking care of that. Well, he, he went home to be with the Lord last year. And so we, we're, we're uh, trying to figure out what's next. And, and the Lord's provided. And, but you know what? That's an Epaphroditus to take care of all that. I got enough trying to figure out what's going on with taxes and money and everything over in Africa when we're serving over there. Thank God for Epaphroditus who's taking care of those things here and other financial things and, and maybe even, uh, I mentioned prayer letters. Uh, one of our missionaries uh, just sent out a prayer letter and I read it on the way here and, and they're, they're begging their churches, please, if you have email, uh, send us an email so we don't have to keep stuffing envelopes and sending and paying the postage for, for prayer letters. You know, that's a lot of work that a missionary has, has to worry about, prayer letters. Maybe there's somebody here, you can't go to some extreme place in Papua New Guinea and preach the gospel, but you know what? Maybe you could help a missionary stuff envelopes and send their prayer letters. That's what Epaphroditus was doing there. He was, wherever Paul had a want or a need, Epaphroditus was jumping in to take care of it. I mean, my, I just mentioned my father went home to be with the Lord. His last 12 years, he had Parkinson's disease. And I'll tell you what, as the oldest son and my brother being away from the Lord... I can't tell you the responsibility and the weight that I felt. God, how, how can I leave my 75-year-old mom here to take care of my dad with Parkinson's disease and go to the other side of the world? I, I, how can I do that? I'll tell you how I can do that. Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus in my mom and dad's church who would come around regularly and say, Pat, Jerry, do you guys need anything? Can we help you with anything? Is there anything we can take care of? And Epaphroditus, who lived next door, said, if, if Jerry falls, if you need any help, you call us right away. We're going to be there. We're going to help take care of. Those people would never be recognized as missionaries. But you know what? They're Epaphroditus's, so that that son could continue on serving the Lord over there in Africa. These are things that Epaphroditus's can do, logistical things that you can do. Maybe God's given you gifts in certain areas. You know the missionary's coming back. He needs a car. Maybe, maybe you deal with cars or you're a mechanic or you know where he... Epaphroditus is, wherever he had a need. Maybe it's, maybe it's filling boxes and shipping those essential things, you know. Missionaries need Bibles and they need gospel tracts and they need M&Ms and they need... Wait, well, they need, they need a lot of things, all right? They need some important things. And Epaphroditus can help pack those things up and ship those things to the missionary. They, they don't have time to do all that. They don't have any way to do that if they're, if they're not going to come off the field and pack those things up and so forth. Epaphroditus is partnering with missionaries and logistical things. Just a couple more and I'm finished. How about a fifth one here? Uh, Brother Capel already kind of referred to it, but Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 19. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 19. Paul finally gets to the finances. Now, when we think of partnership, we usually start with finances. But isn't it interesting that Paul kind of ends with the finances? I don't know if he was like, like a typical missionary and didn't really want to talk about money, so he kind of held off in his prayer letter to the very end. No, I don't think it's the case. Again, this is inspired scripture. But he does mention it here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 15, he says, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia... No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For in Thessalonica, that was the very next place that Paul went. In Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit 
that may abound to your account. I'm going to read the next verse in 19, but let me just pause right there. Every time we would come back here to Crossroads Baptist Church and we would show our update presentation, you would hear me say this. This is not the Sinclair's work. This is God's work in Cameroon, and we have the privilege to partner together in it. That's what I would say every time. You know what? I cannot wait to introduce you to those believers in Cameroon when we get to heaven someday. Because you had a part in that. Year after year after year, when people are getting saved and marriages are being rescued and children are growing up now in Christian homes in second and third generations. I got a call recently of a guy I baptized, a little boy, when he was 12 years old. And he contacted me and said, Pastor, I'm almost done with medical school now. (laughs) What in the world? That's fruit to your account. When the missionaries tell you what's going on, they know God's going to provide. They're not begging for money. They're asking you, do you want to get on board? Do you want to get in on this? God's doing great things around the world. You have the privilege to get in on that with your faith promise commitments. Grace giving. What a joy. What a privilege. Financials. Let me finish reading that. Sorry, I got off on a little rabbit trail there. All right, he's found his hole. Let's, Let's go ahead, all right? Verse 18. But I have all and abound. I'm full, having received of Epaphrodite. There he is again. The things which were sent from you. An odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. I hope that when you fill out that card for your grace giving, you'll ask the Lord, God, what would please you for me to give this next year? Paul Paul starts off by writing and thanking them for their giving, but do you see where he ends up? He ends up by saying, look, what you've given is a sweet-smelling Savior to God. Savior to God. What a blessing. Last thing I want to mention, if you go back a little bit, I kind of added this one. If you go back to Philippians chapter 1 again, this is what is often referred to as re-entry support, and then I'm finished. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 23. Missionaries come back for furloughs. That's biblical. Uh, Paul, It's recorded both furloughs in between his missionary trips. Paul went back to Antioch and the Bible said he spent long time with them and told them all that God had done. Furlough is biblical, all right? And so Paul's expecting to meet up with this this, uh, supporting, partnering church and He says in verse 23, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Paul was looking forward to the next time when he could be back with that partnering church. And I want to encourage you to think about when your missionaries come back, what part you can play in that re-entry support. Missionaries are on the other side of the world. How are they going to look for a house? They need help looking for a house. They're going to need help looking for a car. Again, they're busy serving the Lord over there. It's difficult, but if, if there's an Epaphroditus or someone here who could say, you know what, we need to find our missionary coming back. We need to find him a car. We need to find him a place to stay. What a blessing that is.
I've already started at the beginning, and I mentioned that missionaries are made out of flesh. And you know what? When they come back, sometimes they are worn out. When we were appointed with Baptist World Mission, Dr. David Cummins was the deputation director, and the first thing he said to me during our application, he said, now, we're not your sending church. We don't tell you what to do. We're local church. Your your pastor will... But let me tell you this. He said, we are encouraging our missionaries going to West Africa to do two-year terms and come back for six months instead of going for four years in West Africa, getting malaria 18 times, being physically wasted and coming back and not being able to go back to the field. You know what? Sometimes your missionaries come back and they are spent. They need encouragement spiritually. They need encouragement physically emotionally, whatever, they they need help. And I just want to ask you to be sensitive to that. There's a group in the military that deals with soldiers who come back with what's called PTSD and so forth, and this is their motto. If we send them, we must mend them. You know, there's a lot of broken missionaries who come back from furlough, and they need a partnering church, not just to keep sending them checks, but to partner with them and be a blessing to them and encourage them and minister to them when they come back for those brief months of furlough. Again, no big application conclusion here at the end of a message. More like a lecture tonight, just kind of skimming through this prayer letter uh, we call Philippians and ask you to think about this coming year, your partnership, your philosophy about missions. Are you just sending the check, just sending the rope? Here's the rope, missionaries. Keep doing the good job over there, what you're doing. Or do you say, hey, we're sending you. We're partnering with you. We are involved in what is going on over there. And we are going to labor together with you in these areas that we've talked about tonight. Let's all stand together. I'm going to close in a word of prayer. And Pastor Ledbetter can close how he sees fit if he wants to do an invitation or how he wants to shift. But let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you for this church. This is such a unique opportunity this week to, to challenge and speak to a church that has been such a tremendous blessing and partner with us for so many years. To encourage them tonight from the word of God to continue, not, not just supporting missionaries to do their work, but to partner with missionaries in the work that God has called us to do around the world. Lord, I pray, maybe there's some certain areas. Maybe maybe it's prayer. Maybe somebody's been convicted tonight about praying in the Spirit, specifically praying for missionaries. Maybe maybe somebody hasn't started giving, or maybe they kind of had an idea of what they were going to give, but they they haven't asked you, what is well-pleasing to you, God? What would you have me to give? Maybe it's somebody's got a talent or a gift that they could use as an Epaphroditus right here in the States to be a blessing to missionaries around the world. I don't know what it is or how you've worked, God, but I pray that whatever it is, we would submit to you tonight and say, yes, I'm going to be a better partner with our 25 missionaries. Lord, have your will and way in Jesus' name.